0: None better than taking at taking something that's wrong and making it right. Mm. There is none better at taking something that's wrong and making it right. I'm gonna tell you something. Regardless of who you are, what you have, don't have, what you've achieved, haven't you achieved, without Christ. You were messed up. And I was too. God, like only God can. I better be careful. Can take a pile of messed up stuff. And make something good out of it. And this is for someone here tonight. You were a pile of mess. You've surrendered your life to Christ, and the devil is browbeating you with how no count you were and are. But I want you to know the Word of God says to the child of God that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, a brand new creation in him. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. A new man, a new spirit, a new heart, a new attitude, new goals, new desires, new direction, a new master. Listen, I was at breakfast with some friends of mine the other day and we were talking, look, we don't just need the fire insurance of escape in hell. As Christians, meaning like Christ, It should be our intention, our goal, our direction, our purpose to become like him. If you have grown, if you have gotten accustomed to being lukewarm, you better get a hold to yourself. How many of you heard the uh, story over the years, like I have many times, about how if you throw a bullfrog in hot water, they jump out. But if you throw him in some lukewarm water and you begin to gradually heat it up, he'll stay in there till he dies. That's a pretty good picture of where some Christians are. We become lukewarm, we stop desiring to hear the things of God. You see, the Word says, To him that hath an ear, To hear. You got to want to hear what God's got to say. To him that hath an ear to hear. Let him hear what the spirit of God saith. Do you really want to hear what God has to say? Concerning your life. Your future. Your goal. Your purposes. Or are you just going to include him. Along the way somewhere when you have time. I'm telling you. God is a jealous God. He'll share His glory with no one. He'll play second string to no one. Take heed lest you become entangled with the cares of life. Church, we are becoming entangled with things and stuff, not necessarily sins, but they're keeping us from having a right focus and a right purpose and a right attitude towards this king of glory that we serve. He desires all of our heart, not some of it. He desires to be Lord. Not just Savior. I have no idea how I got to where I'm at right now. (laughs) But I will say this. How is your want to? How is your want to pertaining to the things of God? If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 27. The Lord gave me this message in the strangest of ways. I managed to just slip out the door, got on my horse today, and started riding out there in the arena, Granny. And along about that spot where he stuck me in the ground like a yard dart a few months ago when he bucked me off, I remembered that. And I thought, man, I was in a storm. He not only bucked me off, and I don't want to rehearse this story because no cowboys like to tell about him getting bucked off. But I had a breakaway rope. A lot of you don't know what that is, but it's a plastic eye on your rope. When enough pressure comes on it, it releases. That way you don't have to go take your rope. That's a lazy man's rope. You don't have to go take your rope off a cow. You just run up and you rope, and when you get your dally, the pressure hits, and the loop pops off. Well, if I'd had a regular rope, I think I would have been okay because about the time he went to bucking, that weight of that steer would have pulled him down out of the buck and I'd have been in good shape, but I didn't have that. I'm in a storm. My horse is bucking. My rope released. He bucks me off. My left spur hangs up in the blanket. I'm upside down. Duke's laughing, people on the road are stopping in their cars and trucks, and I'm just flopping. I'm in, I'm in a storm, and thank God, my spur drought broke, and I hit the ground, and I was remembering that, and I thought about passage of Scripture about some reasons that we sail into storms, any of you ever been in a storm? I'm talking about in your life. You know, the word of God, not the word of God, but the word among God's people are this. You're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're about to go into a storm. Now, just like the wilderness experience where Jesus was baptized and then he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or to be tested, We've got to realize that oftentimes tests and trials are working in our life to refine us and to perfect us and to grow us and to stretch us and to cause us to our faith to be uh, built up and to cause us to see God do things in our life that that grow us in in a way that further down the road we can be more of a man or woman of faith than we would have been had we just faced this mountain before we'd had some smaller victories. And I thought about this story in chapter 27 of of, of Acts. Paul is uh, on a voyage to Rome. He's appealed his case to to Caesar. And while they're sailing, we'll pick up in verse 9. It says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and by the owner of the ship than by the things spoken of Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening towards the southwest and northwest, and winter there. And when a south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close to Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurocladon. One translation says uh, a nor'easter. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of the island called Clauda, we ser- secured the, the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the Sardis s- sands, they struck sail and were so driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, and ne- the next day they lightened the ship, and on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat upon us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now when the fourteenth night had come and we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land, and they took soundings and found them to be twenty fathoms, and When they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then, fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed that they would come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out some anchors from the brow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. I'd like to talk to you for just a few moments about some things that there's some of the reasons that we sail into storms and by no means are we limited to these the things that I want to talk about because there are many other uh, reasons that we get into storms out there just like I should have had Duke riding my horse instead of me riding my horse and I wouldn't have been in that storm but in this story I want to talk about in verse 11 the first thing that I see uh, that helped him get into the storm is that there was wrongful guidance from the, uh, the so-called experts, because you see the centurion was persuaded by the helmsman and by the owner of the ship more than what Paul had said. And I want you to be careful in life about who you listen to. The word of God tells us this actually, it says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that he meditates day and night. You better be careful who you allow to speak into your life about your circumstances and your situations. I took some bad advice from some of my friends many years ago and got home and my wife wasn't there. She'd left me. Can you believe that? And she was hiding out over at my Aunt Montez's and Daryl's. But God helped us get all that worked out. And here we are working on 46 years. But I promise you, I shouldn't have listened to some of my friends. I should have handled things a whole lot different than the way I handled. But you know that liquid courage that we drink sometimes, it'll have you acting and saying and doing the way you shouldn't act and say and do. So be careful of the guidance from the so-called experts. Just like I was telling the youth down at the rodeo school this past weekend, not everybody has your best interest at heart. They have their best interest at heart. So be careful who you listen to. Secondly, in verse 12, we see the wrongful guidance from the majority. Because you see, when all the guys on the ship were listening to this conversation and they knew that where they were wasn't a good place to hunker down for the winter. They thought, let's take a vote. Now I'm fixing to get myself in trouble and I know it before I go there, but I can't help it, Doc. (laughs) The will of God, listen very carefully because I want you to hear it exactly like I say it. Don't read anything into it. Don't take away from it. But the will of God never has been, never will be up for a democratic vote. Democratic votes will get you in trouble in a heartbeat as a person, as a marriage, as a church, as a ministry, as a business. You better be careful about letting majority votes dictate the decisions that you make. You better hear from God. I heard it said one time that all major decisions ought to be made in a cemetery because it kind of puts things in perspective. Thirdly, I'm gonna hurry along. This is a very simple message the Lord gave me, but we need to heed it. Verse 13, the wrongful guidance from circumstances. Verse 13, it talks about when a soft south wind blew, they thought, hey, this is perfect. This is ideal. They struck sail. How many Christians in life have wound up with bloody noses and fat lips because things appeared to be some certain way and they took off? Never had heard God say, go. And the door got slammed in their face, bloodied their nose, and gave them a fat lip. I want you to understand there's the truth of the simplicity of the word of God when he says the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. Don't do things until you get your marching orders. Don't formulate a good plan in your head Because the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. You hear what God has to say about your circumstance, your situation. You get your instructions from him. And then it don't matter what other people say, think, or do. Because God's will and God's word at work will accomplish what he has sent it to do. Period. Nothing trumps it. Here's a major one, verse 10. They didn't heed the warnings of God. See there in verse 10, right at the start of the story, Paul, the man of God, told them, said, whoa, better be careful, boys. Don't need to loose from creek From right here, we, we, this is going to be bad. God has spoken that there's going to be much loss to the cargo, to the ship. And we know later on, we didn't read far far enough into the story, but they do become shipwrecked on an island. Serpent bites Paul by the fire and he shakes the the serpent off. And the natives of the island saw what they knew to be one of the most venomous snakes on the island, just be shook off by the man of God. And the word spread on that island and there was a revival It appeared to be a disaster because of the shipwreck, but God had plans while Paul was on the way to Caesar. And I want you to understand something. God has not changed. He still gives us warnings. He gives us warnings in his word. Everybody loves Deuteronomy 28. and I'm, I'm not going to read it, although I'm tempted to. Deuteronomy 28 and 2, 2 to, two to 16. I'm just going to tell the story and paraphrase. We like to hear about the blessings of God. And it says that if you hear my sayings, my word, and do them, if you, if you hear and if you do, These blessings will pursue you and overtake you. You can't outrun them. And then he starts listing them. I'm going to bless your kids. I'm going to bless your cattle. I'm going to bless your crops. I'm going to bless your storehouses. I'm going to bless your barns. He's going to bless, 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 bless. But it's all contingent upon hearing and obeying. Hearing and doing what God's Word says. And that's where we stop reading. But if you'll read on about the next 10 verses... It says, and these curses will pursue you and overtake you if you hear and don't do my word. Oh, we don't want to hear about that, but those are warnings from God. When we become children of disobedience, when we walk to our own drumbeat, doing our own thing for our own purposes and our own timing and for our own self-gratification and for our own self-glory and for our own, our own, our own, our own, and I, 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 me, me, me. When I become so full of myself and full of pride, the Word of God says I have set myself up for failure because pride goes forth before destruction or before a fall. Humility is what God exalts. Humility is what God causes the cream to come to the uh, top, so to speak. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength and power and confidence in the God that you serve. a good friend of mine named Ray Wiley, some of y'all know him in here. Tough, tough man with his fist. And I heard him one time say, I think he was talking to Duke. He said, Duke, wasn't he talking to you when he told this story about the four guys in front of you? He said, if there's four guys in front of you and one guy in the middle is running his mouth, he said, that ain't the one you got to worry about. It's them two guys on the end that you got to watch that's being quiet. He says, you take this one out and come back with this one and the other two are gone. My point is this. The devil goes about as a roaring lion. We as children of God are to walk in the peace and the strength and the confidence that God is with me. And there's no weapon formed against me that will prosper as long as I'm hearing and doing and walking in the spirit of God, being obedient to what he's spoken to me to do. All of those assigned from the forces of hell, cannot be victorious. But we've got to heed the warnings of God. The things that he tells us to do or else or the things he says don't do or else. You know, when my daddy gave me, when he said something, he meant it. Wasn't going to tell you a second time. And if you didn't do what he said, there was consequences. And I want you to understand that God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy and grace and truth and all of that, but he's also a just God. He's also a God of righteousness. He's also a God that calls for us to live a holy life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. But you know what? We've become, we, we don't get on the altars of sacrifice unto God anymore. We want things sacrificed unto us. And I'm trying to give you some good advice tonight to help you stay out of some storms. I want you to understand that we go on down in verse, five, uh, verse 31. We see where Paul told the centurion. Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And I want to tell you tonight, stay in the ship. Stay in the ship. You can trust God's word. If you'll stay in that ship, you will be saved. If you stay in that ship, he will get you to the place that you're needing to go but you've got to stay in the ship. See, when those guys, those guys were about to start bailing overboard when Paul told him that. Seems like there'd been a a lot of uh, admonition here in several weeks, the last month and a half or so, about admonishing the body of Christ to make your calling and election sure, to, to, to lay aside the weights and the chains that are holding us back. It's, uh, been addressing us to not be lukewarm, but to be fully committed, not double minded. I told you I got a message from a truck stop one time. There was a board on the wall, and it says, As long as a man has a strand of straddles of fin, he'll never have both feet on the ground. And I'm just trying to admonish this open range for us to be a people that know who we are in Christ, but more importantly, we know who the Christ is in us. He's the hope of glory. He's the deliverer. He's the one that will make a way where there seems to be no way. I love to say it, and you hear me say it all the time. He's not grown old, weak, feeble, and senile. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anything he's ever been able to do, he's able to do tonight. And I want you to know something. He cares about you. That's why he said for us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. Bow your heads if you would. I'm done. You're in this place tonight and you say, Dennis, I am in a storm. I want to see your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. If that's you, get your hand up. I'm in a storm. I am in a storm. It might be a spiritual storm. It might be a physical storm. It might be a financial storm. It might be a relational storm. But if you're in a a storm, let me see your hand. Get it up and get it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, on more than one occasion in your word, we see where you come walking on the stormy waters, the troubled waters. The things that put fright and intimidation into flesh and blood people, you walk upon them. You are a way maker. You are the one that says, peace, be still. And the storms become peaceful. And tonight, Lord, for these that are in the middle of the storm, whether they're saved or lost, I don't know. But I know that miracles are for the unbeliever that they may see and believe. So, Lord, I'm going to ask you for those that have raised their hand tonight, even if they're unbelievers, even if they're on their way to hell, I'm going to ask you, Lord, to do a miracle in their situation so that they'll know that you really care about them and that you really have the ability and the power and the desire to change their circumstance and their situation tonight, tomorrow this week but they'll you'll do it in a way that they'll recognize the fact that you showed up because they had the courage to raise their hand and say i need help in my storm and lord we just ask you to do what only you can do do a miracle in their storms speak peace to it speak peace Maybe you're like those soldiers, those people on the ship we read about where after many days all hope was gone that they would be saved. Maybe you're walking through some circumstances and situations tonight that you just feel like are hopeless. Could I see your hand? I want to pray for you anyone yes anyone else quickly get it up get it back down yes sir thank you in the balcony yes Lord I don't know how you're gonna work but I know you're gonna work I know one of the devil's favorite tools is to cause us to believe that our situation is hopeless Because without hope, we can't have faith. For these four hands that have gone up tonight, Lord, thinking that their situation is hopeless, I want want them to know that you are a God of hope. Lord, I ask you to speak to their situation tonight. We're calling upon you, Lord, to do great and mighty things. To show yourself mighty and strong to these people. Lord, that you may receive the glory from it and that they may get to enjoy life and have a testimony to tell of what you've done in their life and how you made a way where there seemed to be no way. If you're here tonight and you're lost, you're on your way to hell, and you know that there's something missing in your life, and you've heard about this Jesus, you've not cried out to him to save you you can do that right here right now if that's you could i see your hand anyone anywhere slip it up slip it right back down anyone in the balcony anywhere anyone yes ma'am thank you anyone else very quickly i'm gonna ask one more time and i'm gonna move on if you say dennis I am not right with God, and I want to be before I leave this place tonight. If that's you, would you raise your hand, and I'm going to move on. All right. Look up here at me for just a moment. had one lady that raised her hand. I want you to understand, there's no magic to being saved. The work was done on Calvary's Hill. Jesus, God's son, came to this earth in the form of a man, lived a sinless life, laid his life down and died a death to pay a debt that we could not pay. His sinless blood atoned sinful man back to God, but he didn't stay dead. You see, next week we're going to celebrate Easter Sunday where Christians celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. He walked out of that grave with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he has not only the desire, but he has the ability and the right to grant salvation to those of us that would call upon his name, and we believe in him so would you bow your heads and we're going to pray my prayers can't save you I want to make that clear always you must ask you must believe and then only you can receive so let's pray Lord Jesus I am a sinner I don't know why you love me but I believe you did I believe believe you're God's son that died on a cross in my place but you resurrected that first Sunday morning and that you're alive today so I ask you to forgive me of my sins to cleanse me with your blood to come into my life and to be my Savior and my Lord help me to learn your voice so that I can hear instruction help me to hide your word into my heart so that I won't sin against you and my faith can become strong. I need you, Jesus. And thank you for saving me. Amen. And amen. Um, not this Sunday. Next Sunday be sunrise service. Is that on your list? You are going to take care of all it that? It is. Yes, all right, sir. I'll let you do it. Y'all come thank on you, out. Pastor, for the word. <clears throat> Such a blessing. We just need to apply it. Amen. Just a few um, special announcements. Um, The office, of course, will be closed Good Friday.